yeah, David Petraeus is talking to Chuck Todd about um, the <laughs> pullout from Afghanistan. Uh, Petraeus knows a thing or two about pulling out. Didn't he have like a mistress <laughs> scandal? Wasn't that his big scandal when he was at the helm? Yeah, he did. I thought David Petraeus was the subject of a sex scandal. I could be wrong. No, I think he, I think you're right. I think he was. Um, David Petraeus sex scandal. I'm pretty sure he was. The Petraeus. David Betrayus. Betrayus. <laughs> he betrayed his wedding vows. That was like a vows. go-to lib joke in like 07. David Betrayus. Betrayus. He had an extramarital affair with Paula Broadwell. Um, That's not salacious. I was kind of hoping it would be with like whoever the Taliban leader's wife is. <laughs> that would be like that would be like worth talking about. You know what I mean? Well, what happened was she wrote a book about Petraeus. It's called All In. <laughs> put it, put it all in, Dave. <laughs> yeah, it is all in. <laughs> I could put I could put a little more in, but I don't want to. <laughs> it is all in. <laughs> Are you recording? I don't even... <laughs> yeah, I'm recording. All right. Well, I'm going to hit this record then. Um, that's pretty funny. Uh, it is all in. Yeah, I mean, I, that's like a... So co- he, was ha- he was having an affair with his biographer, essentially? Pretty much, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't even know what this... It's called the, All In, The Education of General David Petraeus. It's a biography of David Petraeus written by Paula Broadwell and Vernon Loeb. Didn't have an affair with Vernon. With Vern. That's a shame. Ver- having an affair with Vernon Loeb would be... <laughs> that'd be interesting. Um, What's he talking to Chuck Todd about? They're talking about Afghanistan and about, um, you know, where to go from here. Uh, What's Petraeus' stance on it? I, I don't know. I wasn't even really paying attention. It was like... He was basically just saying that, like, the Afghan people don't deserve this. They fought hard and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Just, just your standard issue, uh, garden variety sort of, like, I, yeah, yeah. I've been having a good chuckle all morning about the last two Jewish guys in Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> and the the Taliban found the one guy so annoying that they let him they had go. To get let him out of prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't put up with this anymore. <laughs> They're abolitionists, man. Just that's <laughs> right. What what was the story in the Bible where um God creates an earthquake to was it was it Saul and someone else who are in prison? I can't remember. Oh, and he like yeah, and the like a rushing mighty wind comes in and opens the gates and open the door. Them. Yeah, there was an earthquake. Yeah, I think it was Paul and Silas. Yeah, maybe. I think that's right. Uh, yeah, that's the story. You. That's probably what actually happened. Paul was just being incredibly <laughs> annoying, and the jailers were like, okay. <laughs> the guards were like, "Oh my god, <laughs> these two bastards won't shut up. Go, shut just go. Fuck up." <laughs> Um. 
Speaking of Afghanistan, did you see where our senator in exile or senatrix in exile, Amy McGrath, wrote an op-ed about Afghanistan? Oh, please, please give it to me. (laughs) I have not seen this, but a clear example of I'm going to tie off right now. Um... Of course, of course it... Okay, hold on, I lost it. Okay. Were U.S. losses in vain? Forever war in Afghanistan resulted in fewer terror attacks. <laughs> um, as the tragic and saddening scenes from Afghanistan dominate the news, many military veterans and others who served in America's longest war these last 20 years will understandably wonder, was it all in vain? Our answer... And I should I should point out... She also wrote this in, um, it's like a co-authored thing with Michael O'Hanlon, who works for, you guessed it, the Brookings Institute. <laughs> yes, yes, the, my go-to source for policy news. Um, was it all in vain? I don't make a single decision without consulting the Brookings <laughs> Institute. I've made that cornerstone in my worldview. Neither does Amy, apparently. Um. Was it all in vain? Our answer is a resounding no. Beyond the valor and duty you demonstrated, your sacrifices and those of your families made a major and positive difference for U.S. security. Whether one believes that the Taliban takeover now unfolding in Afghanistan was the inevitable outcome of this conflict or the result of policymaking mistakes in Washington, much has still been achieved. Many of the gains will likely be lost under Taliban rule, but many will not. Uh, first of all, for example, there have been few major terrorist attacks since 9-11. <laughs> America has not been attacked out of Afghanistan since 9-11. This is a simple but very important fact that we should never take for granted. Indeed, while... <laughs> a fact that I insured when I, when I strapped myself to the back of that whatever plane and got on that fucking gun and I just mowed them down. Indeed, while violence has continued to plague the broader Middle East and also hit Europe hard in a wave of attacks inspired or conducted by ISIS from 2015 or until 2017, the U.S. Listen, is, listen. <laughs> this is listen. hilarious. Look, the U.S. has largely been spared from major extremist attacks on its own soil. Basically, they're saying, like, yeah, y- Europe had to take a couple for us. <laughs> Yeah, Europe took a couple lumps. But you know what I mean? Here's my thing, though, dude. Has nobody considered that that uh, ISIS just may not have been a fan of the Eagles of Death Metal? <laughs> Nobody's thought about that. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. They're not into Dave Grohl on drums. They, they, they are not a fan of Dave Grohl playing the drums. In fact, that's really what was the major impetus behind what they did. Got to get Dave Grohl out from behind that drum set. We got to get Dave Grohl out front, man. (laughs) Yeah. Get him singing. That's where he belongs. He's a rock and roll star. We won't stop our spread of terror and pillage until Dave Grohl is on the (laughs) mic again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm looking for a day when, like... Like all of like all the world's terrorists and everything are rehabilitated because we can all agree on one thing: <laughs> Dave Grohl needs to be front and center. <laughs> Don't hide Dave behind, yeah. behind the sticks, man. All right, yep. Yeah. Um, 
About 100 Americans have died here at home from jihadi violence since 9-11. This is hilarious. If you had told American officials or strategists on September 12, 2001, that we would manage to limit casualties on the homeland to such a level for two decades, they would have been thrilled to take that outcome. It is a result, to be sure, of excellent work by Homeland Security and intelligence officials. But the U.S. military operations abroad, including in and around Afghanistan, had much to do with it. I, I um, that's a. Uh, I thought that was a weird thing. It's like, obviously, like, <laughs> I don't. Obviously, like Bush did nine eleven. So, like on September twelfth, they weren't like they had already wrapped up their. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just kind of being tongue in cheek here, but it's it's just funny to. <laughs> Are you though? <laughs> I don't know. Um. As one of us recently wrote with the co-author Hal Brands, that outcome was achieved largely because we managed to destroy Al-Qaeda and ISIS leadership, keep much of the organization on the run to avoid the same fate as top leaders, and deny extremist groups sanctuary from which they could recruit, organize, plan, raise money, and otherwise prepare future attacks. Um, I don't know why they did that to the Navy SEALs, but... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know... Basically, I guess, are they implying that if we pull out of Afghanistan, suddenly we're going to have just a huge, you know, infl- inrush, influx of, t- of terrorist attacks on American soil? Because, yeah, those were happening every week before 9-11. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you know... It's it's sort of maddening to talk about any of this stuff because it's like we all know the truth of it. It's like the Saudi royals are funding all this stuff and we're in their pocket, right? Right. And now we're <laughs> we run interference for a, a opium operation. That's just it's all just fucking nonsense to talk about like strategy. What what went wrong? Should we be there? Should we not be there? All the like all the shit is for nothing, and everybody knows it. You know what I mean? Right. It is so weird to live in a society where there's, like, the truth everybody knows, and then there's this, like, pretext that we all have to pretend like is true. I mean, if you're talking about, okay, if 9-11 was, I still don't know what to make of 9-11. Um, you know. <laughs> Man, here we are, 20 years later, and I still don't know what to think of 9-11. Um, but, you know, obviously one thing pointed out a lot is that, like, it took a long ass fucking time for them to get like jets in the sky. Um, yeah. So if you're talking about like someone who was like front row for if it was an inside job, Amy McGrath is like, I mean, right there. Well, she she was ready for the call. She said according to her ads. Yeah. Um. I mean, so she knew about it like before it was even like really executed. Makes you think. Um, sustaining this positive outcome now that Afghanistan descends back into greater violence and extremist rule will be difficult counterterrorism works best with modest numbers of troops blah 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 in 20 years of fighting Afghanistan we have developed many new tools of intelligence gathering Um, blah 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 US defense no longer a paper tiger this is not to defend the US decision to leave the fight or to suggest that what comes next will be easy But we are in a much stronger position overall than was the case two decades ago. 
We have also, due to the resolve of our troops and other brave Americans over the last two decades, clearly demonstrated America's will and readiness to fight in defense of its values and security. The Taliban may be rejoicing. Hey, I took an oath, you did too, you know? <laughs> right. We've been pulling our weight domestically. <laughs> That's true. We are the other brave Americans. Yeah. It's fucked up. Where's our op-eds? Um, the Taliban may be rejoicing in their military victories, but they will surely think twice about colluding with an al-Qaeda organization that has drawn so much U.S. ire. And so, will they? I mean, but also, does al-Qaeda even still exist? Did it ever exist? Dude, you know, you know what these people don't understand? It's kind of like listening to blowback. This is just more widespread gangsterismo rule is what this, these groups are. These are like organized crime outfits more so than like ideological political terrorist groups. Right, 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 right. They and Like you can't really fight that with military. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, they don't want... We created the fucking Taliban. We created Al-Qaeda. Right. That's what I'm saying. Well, also, when you're the progenitor of said groups, you don't really have a, you know, a bargaining chip. That's, like, every bad Did group in this? this in this article, we made ISIS, Al-Qaeda. <laughs> yeah. Al-Qaeda being a uniquely American concoction. Right, right. But, did you read that thing that was like the Talib that that everybody's using to spread around now? It's like the Taliban now control one trillion dollars of precious earth minerals that the world needs. Yeah, Is that who you want to be in control of it? Right, I did see that. It's like they, like they realized how ridiculous the whole feminism angle was. So now it's like, oh, now they have lithium mines, and you want these like. What it amounts to, batshit insane hillbillies, <laughs> like, <laughs> controlling trillion dollars worth of rare earth minerals. Yeah. I didn't think so. Um, whatever our flaws in fighting the forever wars, that's in, they put that in quotation, quote, quotation marks, forever wars. Um, few are calling us like a derisively. Yeah, it's just like, okay, yeah, I guess it wasn't literally forever, but just as recently as like a year ago, there was no indication that we were ever leaving Afghanistan. Um, right. I mean, and is there any functional difference between like eternity and 20 years? <laughs> like, I mean, at this point, no, because we reached the end of history. Exactly. Exactly. We're at the fucking drain spiral. Um, <laughs> whatever our flaws in fighting the forever wars, if you are calling us a paper tiger now, She's. They're referring to. <laughs> they're, they're referring to when Osama bin Laden called the U.S. a paper tiger in the nineties. Um, of course, uh, you know this is the damnedest country. You lost to this guy ostensibly. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> really? And like, you, when you when that happens, like you don't get to be like. We're the only country in the world that perpetually gets our ass kicked either in the short term or long term and still celebrates our victory. <laughs> right. It's so insane. I'm uh, I'm completely turned around on what the actual line on this is. Like did we win the war? What does even winning a war look like in the 21st century? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like what does it look like under like advanced neoliberal capitalism? Like I don't even fucking know. Like I mean, yeah, yeah, like, 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 who scores these things anymore? <laughs> you know what I mean? Used to, in in the 
in the halcyon days, you would have a guy wave a white flag and just like concede. You know what I mean? What happened to the guy? That doesn't happen what now. Happened to the guy waving the white flag. Yeah, come on. Yeah, you would have a treaty. You know, the treaty of fucking uh, Versailles. You know, or whatever, and all the heads of state would sit down and hash out who got what territory. But no one gets territory anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like formally. Yeah, yeah, that's what, you know, it would be like two guys would be like, uh, you know, you would negotiate the terms of, like, your surrender. You know what I mean? Right. You'd go sit down, you'd hash it out. Well, we get this, you get that, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, then, you know, you go peacefully into the night or whatever. So, yeah, someone has to pay a certain amount. Like, I guess there was a kind of, there was, like, a drawdown process between Trump's, I mean... <laughs> the fucking ridiculous thing like i guess trump the trump administration did begin the process of withdrawing from afghanistan and um and so this was a process really up until about like two weeks ago when they actually started withdrawing and the taliban just started rolling over the fucking forces that had been like left behind you know what i'm saying so i mean you're right you're right the fuck i don't know um, <laughs> this dude, this the story's a bit inside. It's like, see these things that they they like go to the city, and it's all these like hillbilly guys that are like, oh my god, bumper cars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's essentially what we're talking about. The Taliban. We're talking about hillbillies. <laughs> yeah, these are our people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. As the 20th anniversary of 9-11 approaches, it is a good moment to say once again, thank you. We are not only proud, we are safer because of you. um, Obviously, it's like really stupid to engage with these idiots. Um, The only reason we're doing it is because this person ran for senator in our state and managed to get millions of dollars and skew the discourse to such an extent that it made us look like the Taliban to everybody else in the world. Yeah. yeah. But, like... Uh, Literally, I mean, people compare Kentucky to the Taliban. You're in that race. Right, right, right. Um, but if you accept, like, the narrative that Obama did this... Or, so... so <laughs> shit, my bad. If you accept the official narrative that Osama bin Laden did this, then you have to also accept that he did this because of the U.S. occupation of Saudi Arabia and Kuwait in the early 90s in the first Gulf War, which means that, no, we are not safer because of the troops. We are actually less safe. <laughs> yes. Man, it, it, would not, it would not matter if every American troop was laying bloodied and dead in the streets of fucking Kandahar. We would still come back and say, we won. Right. Mission accomplished. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, It's so fucking stupid. The hubris and just the fucking, I don't know. I think a lot about what you said about, like, you know, this is a country that, like, actually doesn't have a war legacy. To I mean, for all the, like, sort of, like, baying and moaning we do about kicking everybody's ass and this, that, and the third, we actually do not have a good, like, our track record does not stand up under scrutiny. Yeah, I mean, like, other than like the Spanish-American War and the 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 quote-unquote Revolutionary War, have we lo- have we won any other war? I mean, we didn't win yeah. World War Two. The fucking Soviets did. You know, like we. Yeah. 
I don't. I mean, Vietnam lost. Yeah, I, you know, and I and I guess you could say like that's not what our goals are, and you might be right. I don't know. I'm not much of an expert in this territory, <laughs> like in this area. So I don't. Obviously. Um. But uh, but I don't know. It does seem like we've achieved our our goals, regardless. Um. I don't know. Profits were made. Which is even more sinister in a way. It's just like, okay, we just needed some cannon fodder to do what we needed to do, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, um, so anyways, yeah, that's Amy McGrath. Uh, I, I knew she would have a take, you know, because she, that's, that's her whole thing, right? Like, that's where she made her name. Yeah, I I think uh, Amy McGrath is that Patrick J. Lawler TikTok guy with a with a mask on. <laughs> That's just you know what I'm yeah, saying. I helped the people of Afghanistan. Did you? I helped the people of Afghanistan by firing the most sophisticated weapons imaginable at them. Yeah, like I right, like I'm just a simple country guy looking for love in an Afghani village. From you know, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, shit was fucked, dude. Yeah, that dude is weird. <clears throat> Very weird. <laughs> that tweet he had about like, I'll just do it the old-fashioned way. I'll just find a bride from the country that I conquer or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's like, God damn, that's not even funny. <laughs> yeah, do you think that was a joke? Do you think that he was trying to make a joke? I think he was trying to be funny, but when you were actually went to a place and. <laughs> engaged in that you it's funny if you didn't do that right it's really right not funny even if you didn't do that but you know what i mean right I, yeah it's it's it can actually you can't catch. hide behind irony because you, you, <laughs> there's people that do that you know what i mean there's right. people that right yeah right <clears throat> um well moving on from amy mcgrath uh let's let's check back in with the story that we spent a large chunk of Sunday's Patreon episode uh, discussing, um, and that is App Harvest. Um, are there you, developments? <laughs> there are developments since we recorded that. Um, you know, when we recorded on Sunday, uh, if you want to go check out that Patreon episode, go to patreon.com slash party. You can listen to that episode. We talked about how... Um, you know, just kind of the background. We've had we talked about them a lot, but we talked about their recent troubles, um, and about how they've you know their stock prices completely plummeted in the last couple. They had to report like a thirty five million dollar loss in quarter two earnings. Like it's not, yeah. not looking good. But in Mon- on Monday, um, it was announced that uh, Block and Leviton is investigating App Harvest for potential securities law violators. Investors who have lost money are encouraged to contact the firm. So, um, I mean, it's kind of becoming more obvious that this is just a fucking scam. Like, they've defrauded investors. <laughs> it's a con. So I, I, I got a question about that. Does this pertain to, because I remember like when you sent me a text like two days before that story broke where he announced $32 million in losses, and you said they had projected $15 million. Is this what that pertains to? Like they had like sort of like uh, told shareholders or whatever that like lied about their actual losses or something? I'm not really sure 
what it means, I would, it could be several things. It could be that they misled investors uh, uh, as to perhaps how successful or profitable it would be. It could be that they obfuscated their earnings and maybe their loss was much larger than uh, they thought it was going to be. Um, and that that was the case much earlier than quarter two earning reports. You know what I'm saying? It could have been a yeah. a number of things. Uh, but something's fishy in the accounting department, I would assume. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's old slip of the finger, you know? <laughs> A classic pencil whipping. A classic <laughs> pencil whipping. Like Tom and Terrence, Trillbillies, 2000, April 2017. Um, you know, uh, sitting at the computer and playing Trillbillies episodes over and over again to make it look like we had higher. And look where we are now. It worked for us. We didn't defraud it investors. Worked, it worked for us. And I've, I have every confidence that it worked for Jonathan Webb and the good folks at App Harvest. Um. Well, so I think here it, here it is. It says right here, before the market opened on August 11th, 2021, App Harvest announced financial results for the second quarter into June 30th, 2021. The company significantly lowered its 2021 full-year revenue guidance. App Harvest began trading in the first quarter of 2021 following a DSPAC transaction merging with blank check company Novus Capital. On this news, shares of App Harvest stock fell more than 30% in intraday trading. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I guess if you're listening to this and it's your first time to hear us talk about App Harvest, there's a lot of previous episodes we talked about that on. Um, but the best one to go to is just the most recent Patreon. So look, there's no way around it. You're just going to have to sign up for the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's what we're getting at. It. There's no way around it. Um, 30% is brutal, <clears throat> man. Yeah. Uh, they rang the bell, dude. They were allowed to ring the bell. They were like the darlings, you know, for a minute. Like, oh, this is going to be the next big thing. And so life comes at you fast. Ridiculous. They're doing the whole. Uh, we're going to make you know uh, spaghetti sauce and margarita <clears throat> and uh, bloody mary mix and all that kind of stuff with these rotten aphid picked over tomatoes <laughs> that you don't want to buy for your own consumption. Right. Um. <clears throat> Well, uh, so, yeah, App Harvest, um, Godspeed, you know, good luck. <laughs> yeah, see you out there, boys. Good luck. Um, all right, so let's get to the meat of today's episode. This is a longish article I've wanted to cover for a little while now. Uh, I was going to wait until we had the full crew on, but just wasn't in the cards for this week and i feel like i need to talk about it i need to get it out of my system it's been sitting on the uh get it unburden yourself <laughs> i've been burdened by this for about a week now um so this is a very interesting article in politico um it's written by a woman named megan uh it is these it's a pseudonym and so is the name of her husband, Dave, in this article. These are both pseudonyms. Um, this is... I, I, I wanted to talk about this article for several reasons. First of all, the framing of it is very interesting. And um, 
I don't know. You'll see what I mean in a second. But the the second of all is it kind of provides an interesting glimpse into both how the mainstream media views people, like the reason why people get into quote unquote conspiracy theories. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. The, yeah. I, I don't have any real knowledge on if this is a legit article, if this was just a fake thing written by the fucking, um, you know. Brooklyn. Same people that brought us the Warren Commission report. <laughs> right. <clears throat> I have no idea. But it is an interesting glimpse into, like, both uh, a dynamic that I think is real, but also a political one anyways, but also how the mainstream media views people who get into conspiracy theories. Anyways, let me just start here. This is a Politico magazine. QAnon almost destroyed my relationship. Then my relationship saved me from QAnon. How COVID isolation and supporting Bernie Sanders primed me to be sucked into a dark conspiracy theory. How how in the world have you hid this from us? <laughs> You've been sitting on this, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was waiting for the right moment. <clears throat> okay. Here we let's begin. I was radicalized overnight. I went to bed as a liberal, a diehard Bernie Sanders supporter, social activist, and a feminist. The next morning, I left the bed viewing Donald Trump, a man who I had utterly despised, as a hero fighting a war against the deep state. In the ensuing days, my fiancé Dave would hardly recognize me, and our relationship would nearly be destroyed. <laughs> There's a good reason for that, because you're a complete fabrication. <laughs> Someone plugged some numbers into an algorithm, and this is what it spat out. <clears throat> yeah. My conversion happened last June, soon after California expanded the stay-at-home order to control the COVID-19 pandemic. As an extrovert, I did not take the lockdown well. The inability to go out with my friends, work with people, and interact with strangers left me feeling trapped and suffocated. At the same time, I was struggling to adjust to sharing the house with Dave after being single for most of my adult life. There were times when I desperately needed to get away for a couple of nights to reconnect with my energy. But where do you go during a deadly pandemic? Dave wasn't handling the stay-at-home order well either. Without the ability to take extended weekends away to unwind from his demanding job, he became depressed and increasingly short-tempered. The more he let his anger leak out and at times explode toward me, the more I felt trapped inside the house and desperate for something to change. Um, so... Let, we'll just give it the benefit of the doubt. If this is real, like this is a real stressful situation, right? Like you can, uh, yeah. you can imagine how June 2020, it's obvious that Bernie's not going to be the nominee. Um, you probably don't look at Biden with anything like confidence or, uh, you have oh. to wake up every morning and see Dave's hairy pimply ass and <laughs> avoid him blowing up on you. Exactly. Like it's not it's not a fun environment. <clears throat> no, I can sympathize with our made up friend here. Um it was after a day of his angry outbursts when I discovered QAnon. So again, I mean, yeah, living being in a bad relationship in a living situation that sucks ass could drive you to QAnon. Definitely. No doubt about it. I mean, it at least make you QAnon curious like what what's everybody <laughs> seeing this? <laughs> There's no, there's no hope in this future. 
Exactly. Excuse me. Yeah, it was after a day of his angry outbursts when I discovered QAnon. That night, Dave was asleep, and I lay awake buzzing with stress. Tired of staring at the ceiling, I decided to watch the quote-unquote Fall Cabal YouTube series a friend of mine had told me about. It's really weird. I'd love to get your opinion on it, she messaged me a few days before, along with a link. The ten episodes were wove together a narrative about quote-unquote the Cabal, supposedly a secret and satanic pedophile ring run by members of the liberal elite and Trump's secret fight to overthrow them. I didn't sleep at all that night. Instead, I found dozens of articles and videos confirming my new political views. By the morning, I was a true believer. <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. I got to chime in here. So, so she actually woke up and said, you know what? Trump might be a hero fighting the deep state. And then she went and looking for stuff to confirm this new worldview she just woke up on a whim with. Or... That's the way it reads, but I think what she means is that she started digging into this and then arrived at that conclusion. That's, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the latter, is what it appears to me. There is no human being alive that doesn't also have the mind of, like, a ferret that (laughs) is that politically malleable. Right. Like, maybe over time, you know what I mean? You mean, like, immediately overnight? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, over time, I get, you know, maybe it's a change in class station or something, and your political views, you know, become more abhorrent or better, depending upon what your situation is. But I just don't believe that anybody just, like, I know, and I know what this article is trying to say, but I just, anyway, carry on. Um, well, that's a, actually a very interesting thing to point out. Um, that's actually a very interesting thing to point out, because... You could, yeah, you're right. Like, you could say, I think what they're talking about is this phenomenon of, like, Q-pilled. You know, you know, they talk about, like, you take the red pill and immediately overnight. It's interesting. They pulled out a a pull quote here. We'll get to it in a minute. But it says, believing in Q felt amazing, like being in some sort of mystical state or euphoria. I think it's, I I just think it's it's interesting, like, um, this phenomenon of being, quote, unquote, like, Q-pilled. I don't know. We'll get into it here in a minute. Um, Sounds a lot like transcendental meditation. <laughs> Maybe I'm Q-pilled and don't know it. Carry on. Um, I think I think a lot of us probably are. But anyways, it, I'll get to that in a minute. I think the fact that I was already a big supporter of Bernie Sanders primed me for the transformation, a process people called being red-pilled. One thing QAnon and Bernie have in common is the belief that there is a group of corrupt elites that makes it hard for everyone else in the country and the world to stay afloat. I hadn't trusted the government entirely before 2016. For example, I didn't find the explanations of 9-11 or the assassination of John F. Kennedy to be satisfactory. But my distrust only strengthened when I started to support Bernie that year. I started to think that the news media, billionaires, and the Democratic establishment conspired to keep Bernie from the presidency. This was a significant part of my bridge into QAnon. Okay, so very uh, sort of almost provable things, she says, was her bridge into conspiracy. Yeah, <laughs> all things that are like All things that like we can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, usually, That's not usually the pipeline, though. 
Yeah. Usually somebody says, well, what if it is turtles all the way under this ground to the core? You know what I mean? Right. And then you go from there. Not, not, uh, well, you know, it, it is interesting that Pete Buttigieg is the first person to win a primary <laughs> contest before Super Tuesday and drop out. Hmm. It, it does. No, that's the stuff of conspiracies. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, again, there's so many different rate ways to read this article. One is that it was placed here by some fucking think tank tried to discredit Bernie or the quote-unquote left. Another is that this is a genuine experience. It really did happen. Um, you know, uh, the, I think there are several other interpretations of it. Um, but I do, I can see how someone who, it does feel like, generally speaking, people who supported Bernie are a little more grounded in the reality that, like, uh, you know, capital sort of controls everything and it's, you know, billionaires and other things like that. But I can see how someone with complete loss of any hope of change, if they had put their entire sort of thing into Bernie, they might look at the situation and be like, okay, well, Trump is the only person who I've seen actually talk. I'll go see what's going on over here then. <laughs> I guess. All right. <laughs> I'm just trying to be open-minded. <laughs> um, quote, unquote, fall cabal affirmed my ideas about the system being rigged against Bernie and my general mistrust of the government and organized all those thoughts under a simple explanation. The world was being run by the cabal. The documentary congratulated me for being able to recognize it and promised that Trump and others were already working to fix it. <clears throat> Initially, believing in Q felt amazing. This is that quote I pulled earlier, that they pulled. Like being in some sort of mystical state or euphoria. And I, and I understand that. I <clears throat> sympathize with that. I mean, if you spend enough time investigating anything on the internet, like trying to make associations and connections and like feeling like you have tapped... Because you can riff forever. Yeah, yeah. Feeling like you've tapped into something that's true and that the truth is so dark and evil and that there are evil forces in the world, then yeah, you can feel like this sort of like mystical, uh, euphoric feeling. Like you've, uh, you've, you've stumbled on some knowledge that the rest of the world doesn't hold and that like you're somehow enlightened and the rest of everybody is just like poor, foolish people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel that That's way a lot. That's a powerful lot. thing. Yeah, I feel that way a lot. <laughs> 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 I mean, really. Um but not for, like, Q, obviously. But, like, I, I mean... Flight 77. <laughs> well, okay, so, like for that. example, um, you know, they've talked about this on, like, Subliminal Jihad, but I had heard about it for a while, just never looked into it, but, like, the Franklin um, child sex abuse ring. You ever heard about this in Franklin, Nebraska? No, but I instantly need to be... I, I felt that euphoria you were talking about. Like, I'm about to learn something now. Well, um, I mean, to make a really long story really short, like a ring of, like, a rising GOP guy, this Lawrence E. King, and... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I have heard this. Yeah, I, there's there's a documentary on YouTube, actually, called Conspiracy of Silence. It was like a dis discovery documentary that had been pulled 
a Discovery Channel documentary that was pulled at the last minute. And I've heard some people say that this do- the documentary itself is maybe like a limited hangout or an op or something. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. long story short is these powerful people were running like a child sex abuse ring. And that there were even allegations of maybe satanic ritual abuse in there. I mean, basically this is kind of like an Epstein thing. Carcosa shit, yeah. Yeah, dark, evil, etc. But if you read the comments on the D- YouTube uh, video, a lot of it is Trump people. A lot of it's Q people. I mean, these are people who are like, we've got to, you know, these pe- these pedophiles, like they're they're running society, like we need to drain the swamp and get them out there. These are people who are absolutely disgusted with this stuff, but just don't, like, I don't really think anybody's really offering any kind of, like, narrative that, like, affirms that this goes on, because it does go on. I mean, you can look at the Wikipedia page for this, and it's just like, this was a carefully crafted hoax. This wasn't a real thing. But it's undeniable once you, like, read into all of these depositions, testimonies, interviews, watch the documentary, something was happening. And so it's like, right. this shit goes on. And so if you're a person mm-hmm. who, like, thinks this is disgusting and thinks it's emblematic of the way that they run society, where the fuck else are you going to go? The only fucking, per- right. you know, the only, like, group of individuals talking about it is fucking QAnon and, like, a smattering of, like, alt-leftist media podcasts. But that's not, yeah. like, it's not enough, like, you know what I mean, to really, like, channel it into something. I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't, I don't know. It's just, uh. I don't know. Does it make any sense? Like I, I just yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is weird. I think, and you know, the derisiveness show, <laughs> shown to like conspiracy, uh, people. I think you know, because I mean, it's something you know, something we've said time and time again on the show is that like, you know, like the general contours of their arguments are correct. It's just like the you know the reaches they make about lizard people and so forth and whoever is like kind of the you know. The uh, more out there shit, but like the derisiveness shown to like, like sort of, you know, people with a more paranoid mindset about things, I think is part of it is just to discredit people that like ask the questions. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And there's there, I mean, there are there is like unhealthy paranoia, but then there's also like just right inquiry because like shit is like, you know, right in front of our face. And I also think that an interesting dimension to this is the internet, obviously, because like the internet allows you to explore these connections in a way that's never been explored or allowed before. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like you can stay up all night, for example, watch YouTube videos and search on archive.org and you know what I mean? Just like fucking (laughs) before you had to go pluck like arcane texts out of like the library catacombs, you know what I mean? Dust them off. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there is a kind of like, there's almost a kind of like mystical, uh, dimension to that. I'm, I saw, I'm reading this, that Thomas Pynchon book, bleeding edge right now. And there's a, there's a section in there. I thought was fascinating. This, this character, he's talking about like the internet. He says the internet, as it turns out, exhibits a strange affinity for the dynamics of curses especially when written in the more ancient languages predating HTML. Through the uncountable cross-motives of the cyber world, the fates of unreflective click-happy users are altered for the worse. Systems crash, data are lost, bank accounts are looted, all of which being computer-related you might expect 
But then there are also the real-world inconveniences, such as zits, unfaithful spouses, intractable cases of running toilet, providing the more metaphysically inclined further evidence that the internet is only a small part of a much vaster integrated continuum. <clears throat> I think that what he's saying is that, like, whereas before we didn't have this, I mean, like, if you do believe in witchcraft or not is, is kind of moot. What he's saying is that, like, through our variability to search out for information and just, you know, go down rabbit holes and click on it at all times, it does kind of create this sort, sort of, of emergent property. Sorcery of its own. Yeah, it yeah. becomes a sorcery of its own. It becomes, you, and you can even curse people with that. You can put axes on them that have real world effects. I mean, and they, look at the January 6th thing. I mean, granted, there's so many different ways to look at that too. But ultimately, yes, it started as what you could say people posting online and became a sort of real world thing you know, just demonstrating that we are integrating it into a vast, a much larger continuum. Um, yeah. And I think there's something very alluring about that. And that's what I think that, like, a lot of the sort of, like, because there are, like, cue debunkers and stuff. I think that's kind of what they miss, is that, like, part of what is so powerful about this is your ability as an individual to compl to um, to participate in that continuum to to uh to participate in that sort of like mystical uh or you know emergent property of 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 the internet and to be a sort of quote unquote like agent of change you can search out these connections for yourself and you can become uh sort of almost empowered in your uh in the things that you find and in your ability to like dig up these things and make these connections and that's not something that like the left is offering <laughs> in any way really you know it's like the left has traditionally always been like well this is the way it is rich and poor uh workers are gonna rise up and take etc cetera, etc cetera. like what QAnon offers is way more powerful this is a this is a very uh intoxicating thing almost you know what i mean because again it does kind of empower you as the individual to be able to make these connections and then say i'm going to change the world with them because this is evil shit yeah you know right right I don't know. But then then the problem becomes the general contours of what they find are absolutely correct. There are pedophiles running the world yeah. in different ways and all this kind of stuff. But then it's like when they take it into the realm of, you know, anti-Semitic tropes and different things. That's when it's like, you know, it sort of spirals. But like in itself, what they have is like a powerful, very powerful tool. And... uh I think people in power kind of know that. You know what I mean? I think that's why there's like been this wholesale sort of like, you know, I mean they still I mean I'll still like listen to the radio and people still refer to the insurrection, January 6th insurrection, and some people won't let that go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean there has to be some point at which the left can intervene though before you like you come, you come up with all this information, and you say, "Oh my God!" You're faced with like this, the gaping maw of fucking Satan. Just like, this is evil. This is bad. Okay, well, uh, yeah, it's the Jews and Hitler, or and, and Trump is gonna bail us out. It's just like, how how do you right. intervene? That's, and that's that's sort of that's where you need sort of Marx's dialectics, right? Yeah. That, at that point, at that juncture. That's when you need like a survey of political economy and the history of political economy and the way the world is. Because if you don't have that, then that's the only place that can go is just like 
again, throwing darts at the craziest shit, lizard people and everything else. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. You're absolutely right. It's like you have to, you have to sort of, like, yeah, you have to combine the alchemy of a paranoid mindset <laughs> with, with, with that sort of, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, historical materialist analysis of, of Marxism yes. and everything. I think that's where the, the potency lies. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Um, so, uh, so continuing here, for about six weeks, my fear about impending doom because of COVID-19, climate change, and what I perceived as the threat of fascism were gone. The world felt safe, and I felt energized, confident, creative, and brimming with love. Again, it's like, all right, if you're really Q, like, you wouldn't think the world, if you're really in a Q, I don't think you would think the world is safe, like, which, again, makes me kind of think, like, this might, this is kind of, like, maybe a little suspicious or something, I don't know, um, Dave, however, didn't take my sudden political flip well. The next morning, it was immediately obvious to him that something had changed in me. I was beaming and cheerful and yet held back on explaining the change. Despite his insistence, it took me a few hours before I was willing to tell him about my new beliefs. He was disgusted. Just a month earlier, George Floyd had been murdered, and Dave, who had always considered himself to be a proud American was so disheartened by the systematic racism and police brutality still present in this country. That did it, Dave. That did it. Like, you weren't... <laughs> like, okay, you're a dyed-in-the-wool racist, and then all of a sudden you just said, you know what? I'm sick of the way police treat people. <laughs> exactly. Um, he was more depressed than I had ever seen him. Hearing me express my new beliefs about the quote-unquote evil... Hold on, 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 hold on. How was somebody that considered themselves like a dyed in the wool, like Bernie liberal, with an avowed racist? I, it's not that this person was. That's ex- us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was not that this person was an explicit racist. They were just a proud American, and they. But but that is. The, oh, okay. But I but, I but I mean, if you're a proud American, you're racist. Like you know, right, at, right, at, right, at right. a certain level. Yes, you're right. But but yeah, like right. they didn't see themselves as that. Um, right. But. Uh, Let's. Uh, he was so disheartened by the systematic racism. Basically, George Floyd convinced him that racism exists. <laughs> right. He was more depressed than I had ever seen him. Hearing me express my new beliefs about the quote-unquote evil cabal, how the pandemic was a hoax designed to control humanity, and how Trump was our only chance at saving humanity, was very upsetting to him. <laughs> Trump, and he felt vulnerable to the virus and thought I should feel that way too. He was afraid I might have a mental illness. For the first few days after my flip, he couldn't stand to be near me. He repeatedly told me he was disgusted by my energy, and he couldn't bring himself to touch me or to speak kindly to me. His comments were painfully cutting and sarcastic, and at times he would slam doors. On day three, he sent me a text and asked me to promise that I wouldn't hurt him in his sleep. This was too much. How could he ever think that I would have any desire to hurt him? I felt unsafe and unloved. I packed my bags and left, willing to end the relationship if it came to that. Um, But Dave didn't want to lose me. He agreed to learn anger management techniques and to watch Fall Cabal. He thought the series was full of crap and tried to talk me out of my new beliefs. The more he tried, though, the less safe I felt in his presence, and the more I turned to the new my new rapidly growing community of QAnon friends. Dave started talking with my therapist, and a psychologist friend about my sudden switch, trying to make sense of how the woman he loved could become such a different person overnight, or so it seemed. Um, eventually, his therapist told him to treat it as if I had found Jesus and may never be the person I once was. 
Can you accept her as she is and still be happy in the relationship? The therapist asked. His therapist also suggested to Dave that he stay close to me to keep our relationship as solid as he could to help me avoid doing irreparable damage to my life and friendships as I was tumbling deeper into QAnon. Um, he didn't tell me all at the time, but he gave himself half a year to figure out if he could make us work despite the growing differences between us. Dave decided to give it all he had. He learned to approach my new views with curiosity instead of judgment, but he also had to set boundaries and ground rules. I only shared QAnon-related information with him when he was willing, and he promised to make time for these conversations once a week. Um, I am open to the possibility that I could be wrong, Dave said. Are you willing to meet me there? Blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, basically, uh, the ability to talk to Dave about my QAnon-induced fears was very grounding for me and good for our relationship. Uh, my initial QAnon euphoria wore off after a few weeks, leaving me with unease about the dark world controlled by the cabal. When I was scared that President Joe Biden would mandate all people get vaccinated, I could go to Dave with my fear. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Long story short, um, what eventually dissuaded her from the QAnon stuff was January 6th. Um, which again, kind of, in my opinion, like leads credence to this just being fake. Like, I, I mean, I understand that there are people out there who probably did, um, become disillusioned with it after January 6th, but my experience with like zealots is that they usually kind of double down. It's like the book, you know, uh, can, when prophecy can I, ask, can I ask a question? And I, this really might speak to my character. Why I, why is it that some people are absolutely jarred by January 6th and I never think about it? <laughs> I don't either. Okay, like some people are absolutely disgusted at the very mention of it and treat it almost <laughs> like on par with 9-11. And I swear to God, I never even think about it. It's just like, I, do you know what I mean? I don't know what that says about me and I hope it doesn't say anything negative about my character but <laughs> i have a hard i just have a hard time finding any sort of like you know like i don't, I don't know i don't know i don't i mean i i, I don't want to sound batshit insane to anybody with an earshot of this but like it's just something that like i'll talk to people and they were just like well almost well up with tears in their eyes and i'm just like <laughs> okay <laughs> you know <laughs> Like, it was this great assault on our democracy, and then I'm just like, oh, for sure, man. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. You know, I um, I, I think part of it is the symbolism for people who... I, I think it was the fact that it, it, in, in, in the libs' mind, it's like they tried to steal the election. And right. they almost got away with it. Like, of course, they wouldn't have fucking got away with it. Like, they were never going to get away with this, man. <laughs> right. We're talking about a guy that owns a tractor supply fucking franchise and, like, nine dipshits from the swap meet. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. I mean... It, uh, more than that, but you know what I'm saying. Well, it's like you said, like, just like a week or two after it happened, I think me and you were talking, it's like, it's it's mostly because Nancy Pelosi almost got her wig split. Like, that's really what it is. Yeah. It's got nothing... Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's true. Yeah, that is very true. It's like it's like the people... 
to them, like watching this in real life is like watching West Wing and like President Bartlett, Bartlett, the real world analog in their mind at that time, which was Nancy Pelosi, almost got got. And that was just like beyond the pale. Yeah. Somebody that does not care anything about them or anybody for that matter. Yeah, I think that um, it also violated their idea of like what America is, um, that we have quote-unquote free and fair elections and peaceful transfers of power and all these things that they tell themselves about America. I thought it was extremely... Durable brain shit. I thought it was extremely funny. I was scolded by people for not taking it seriously, but I stand by it. Yeah, that's the other thing, yeah. <laughs> It was fucking yeah. funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the other thing too, I think, I think it, it bears saying about this, just in the interest of fairness, is, you know, we're talking about this sort of, you know, again, that sort of, uh, the power of like that paranoid inquiry and and like utilizing that to get at some greater truths. When you don't have that basis in like sort of like Marxist political economy. What happens is you just contribute mildly to the e crisis. Like it is incredibly damaging to the to society. Right. You know what I mean when you don't, when you don't have those two things together. And I think that's that bears you know mentioning here, lest somebody say they're out there saying the Cuban honors are <laughs> are actually virtuous. <laughs> you know, I, I my I think my stance on it is like you're not going to. Um, enact real change in this country much less overthrow the government if that's what your goal is and if you're a socialist it should be um uh parody just for my haters and those in the fbi but um you're not going to <laughs> you're not going to do that as long as something like QAnon exists so i think you have to engage with it on some level um yeah when i say that january 6th was funny i just mean that like I don't. I don't know. We talked about this on the Patreon episode two weeks ago with Tanya, because we talked about yeah. the mysterious suicides of the police officers who were at Jan- at the Capitol that day. Right. <clears throat> and I kind of floated the theory that perhaps it was a lib orchestrated false flag. And the only reason I say that, I don't really believe that. But the only reason I say that is because if you look at the outcome, it does allow liberals to. I don't want to say resolve because it's definitely not resolved, but it allows them to engage with a contradiction that arose over 2020, which was that a large portion of Americans, I should, I should revise that a large portion of the democratic voting base or people on the left in general, uh, working people in general, let's Mm -hmm. say working poor and working people were questioning for a brief time. Are police necessary? And the January 6th riot allowed libs to resolve that in their minds and say, yes, of course they're necessary. We need them. They're necessary because Nancy Pelosi almost got murdered. (laughs) And not only are they necessary, they're heroes and they're valorous and they're brave. And you know what I mean? Like all that shit. All of their their, like living, breathing, sentient Aaron Sorkin characters that they adore almost got mopped. So ergo, we got to have police. Right. You know? It allows them to engage with that and to resolve that because in a world of intensifying climate change and greater uh, houselessness and all these other things, 
the libs need the police. They're, they can't not have them unless you completely remake society. And they don't want that. They're never going to do that. They don't want so they need some sort of way to justify <laughs> They're never going to be in a better position than Right, this. exactly. They need some sort of ideological justification for why they exist. And a bunch of idiots fucking storm in the Capitol. Because, like, ask yourself, and I said this at the time and I took heat for it, but seriously, ask yourself. If they had been successful in taking the fucking capital and Trump was still in there or fucking the QAnon shaman was president now, would anything be different? There'd still be fucking cages at the border, and there still are, because Biden hasn't done fucking shit about it. We haven't done anything right. about climate yeah. change. All of these things. What about give him time, man? Give him time. <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker's been in that goddamn six decades and you got motherfuckers in there screaming, give him time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could say like, yeah, tr well, Trump could be in there heightening um, the uh, the discourse and, and we have greater hate crimes and all this stuff. But have the number of hate crimes gone down since Trump? I mean, I don't, granted, of course I want, tr I don't want Trump still president, but I'm just saying functionally, they all basically want the same thing. Um, they just want to do it a little bit differently. Fuck, I don't well, know. Well, that horse is out of the barn, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, those conditions, like, are not just easily remedied by, like, a figurehead, like, switching office or not. You know what I mean? Which is part of what libs think. They, they symbols and sort of, like, uh, symbolic gestures in terms of, like, politics mean so much more to them. That, that makes total sense, too, if you think about it. Just because, like, I don't know. If, like, signs and symbols run the world, like, I don't know. You were, you were saying something the other day that was like, you know, you're like, man, are they fucking with us a little bit? You know, you were talking about something that you'd heard on Subliminal Jihad. I forgot what it was. I was talking about 9-11. Because, um, <clears throat> like, when you dig, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you dig in a 9-11, it's like, Okay, if this was an inside job, they did their homework. And if it wasn't, then right. the coincidences are so incredible. It's like, for example, American Airlines Flight 77 hitting the Pentagon on the 77th Meridian, which is 77 feet tall. It's like, how the fuck do those coincidences line up? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you'd have to have some... But I think that, like, as they point out on it's that... It's either some weird cosmic sort of preordained event... Or it's an inside job. Exactly. You know I mean? Like, which yeah. is crazier? I mean, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, uh, but the, but I think the point is, is that, that you're making is that like symbols are powerful to all of us. Um, <clears throat> they all have a kind yeah, of mystical my... quality to them. Do what? Thanks for tying that up for me. I was like on my heels. Like, where was I going with that? I had it, but. <laughs> but it's all about how they're used. And are they, um, are they used to like salvage the American project? Or are they used to um, change the world, create a better society? Like, uh, are they used for uh, an analysis of things that is dialectical? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, 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 um, I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I've just been really struggling with this lately because it's like we do this show every week, and and half the time I'm like, well, oh, it's pointless. And then the other, you know, and then I talk about like culture war and all the vaccine stuff, and people are like, "Well, that's why what you do is important because you're getting the word out there." And I'm like, "But our message, quote unquote message, if we even have one, <laughs> if there's any coherence to it at all, it never fucking gets outside of the, you know, preordained algorithmic uh, 
barriers, you know, uh, corral that it's in. So, like, how can right. it actually be doing any work other than justifying how people see the world as it already is? Which yeah. is not not invalid, which is not a bad thing. But, yeah, I, I, I just struggle with this because then I'm like, well, is there any point to what this is? Well, I, you know, I've, I've brought this up before, but I still stand by it. You know what I mean? If, like... You know, I told the story about how, like, it was either Kyrie Irving or Steph Curry was, like, questioning the moon landing and then just got raked over the coals because, you know, on the news saying, well, that's a slippery slope to, like, anti-Semitic conspiracies and all that stuff. And I grant you, like, yes, there there are slippery slopes to anti-Semitic conspiracies, Holocaust and all, all that sort of thing. But I'm here to tell you, if you believe in the better angels of the U.S. United States of America's nature, you are no better than any of these QAnon people that you're casting aspersions at. And that's that's tough medicine, but you need to take it. <laughs> well, you're right. You would be better served just going ahead and assuming the worst, because that's usually true. What what do you think yeah. a fucking government of people who would launch a 20-year war would be capable of doing? If they don't have any moral compunction about toppling governments and all these other things that we know they do, you think they have any fucking moral compunctions about just vaporizing 3,000 Americans in broad daylight? Like, I don't know if yeah. I believe that or not, but it certainly seems plausible. Yeah, and we'll also, I mean, you know, just a, a listen to blowback or any, like, real reporting about Cuba. Uh, the CIA, the FBI, well, I don't know exactly which agency it was, but, like, they killed Americans in service of smearing Castro. yeah. Yeah, like there's precedence for this. Half this happens like all the time, particularly when you're introducing communism into the conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. Um, I look. I, I I guess I'll finish up here with um, Megan, the our pseudonym, pseudonymous, pseudonymous, anonymous um, person here algorithmic <clears throat> yeah <laughs> since i left i sometimes feel frustrated and disheartened that i can't fit into either the political right or left those are both in quotation marks i still don't trust the government that much i no longer identify as red or blue i wish i could be purple but there is too much red in the purple for my liberal fin- friends and family so i mostly have stopped talking about politics Reading news can be disheartening and stir up old QAnon associations, so I generally avoid it. I have almost... Hmm, if only there was a way to talk about the kind of, yeah, the broad contours of what they've talked about in QAnon, but but discard the anti-Semitic shit in the, the you know, the part where Trump is Racist fucking savior, shit. and maybe plug it into, uh, as you said earlier, <laughs> like... A real system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then, then maybe liberatory system. Yeah, then maybe you'd be cooking with gas. Um, so I, I have almost completely exited all forms of social media. That was essential to my recovery. You know, and that's probably not a bad thing. But the thing is, unfortunately, this is the thing. Like you could talk about all you could talk about that all day to the cows come home. Just log off, get online. But that's just we don't we don't exist in that world anymore. We're all sorcerers now. We can all fucking make things happen in the real world with our fucking keyboards. So I mean, like we are the ne- we are we are the the necromasters. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying. Please do not misinterpret that and think that I think you should post all the time. I don't think that at all. <laughs> or for I'm that just... matter, that you should try to raise the dead. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think that at all. I just say, I'm just saying that like we talk about this before this you know e crisis or whatever the fucking you you want to call it. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what it means is that there are people spreading information and ideas out there. There's a war on for your mind, like you know, and and you uh, you have to engage with that at some point. I guess you can't just like let QAnon like run the fucking table. I guess I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. Can you outpost them? I don't know. It's I I, I don't I don't know. Well, doubtful. Yeah. Um. But that, that's the thing. You don't have to. Because again, that's kind of where the materialist. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I get that is the where the materialist part of this comes in at. If you're organizing, uh, you know, your workplace or tenants and these other things, like you are engaging with a material aspect of the world and pushing history forward in a way that is just as tangible as you know what these idiots are doing storming the Capitol. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's also telling too that like all the buzz, all the sort of Marxist buzzwords. It mark the the word Marxist itself. Uh, you know, um, whatever else they want to say, critical race theory, all those kind of things. It's it like it's telling that like all those they had to go ahead and demonize all of those things, right? Because if you sort of plug that sort of mindset into and they get a hold of Marxism in a real way, then you got a real dangerous situation bubbling. You know what I mean? So it's like it's like whoever's like pulling the strings of QAnon has like done the work of like, okay, we gotta discredit Marxism off the top. Yeah. From the jump, you know. I mean you know, people smarter than me and more well read than me will know exactly who and when and where I'm talking about. But I'm pretty sure that the term conspiracy theory itself was introduced in the late 60s as a way to discredit communist movements yeah, right yeah yeah yeah. i mean i'm i'm pretty yeah. sure i've read that i think before. that's right yeah i think that's right yeah um okay last paragraph this experience has taught me a lot before i joined the radical right i was part of the radical left now i'm more open to opinions from the whole political spectrum and my curiosity and compassion has expanded I'm okay with not having the answers. I have learned who my real friends are. I'm thinking of this whole experience as a form of death and rebirth. I am excited for this next chapter of my life. It's like that scene in Hannibal where, like, Anthony Hopkins is eating Ray Liotta's brain. Just like, I'm excited for this next part of my life. I'm no longer right or left. I've been reformed. Completely reformed, like Clockwork Orange or something. (laughs) I've been completely (laughs) reformed. It's God, so ridiculous. Yeah. It's so true. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So, uh, I, ultimately, basically, what they're trying to do is, there's, you know, ultimately, they're just basically being like, "Look, Bernie, Bernie people are just as susceptible to the QAnon thing, and in fact, they're responsible probably for it. Probably worse. Probably in some worse ways. in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Stories. I. You know. Here's the thing is if you look at the worldview that's been consistently demonized by all the worst people on the planet for years, like maybe you should just kind of check that out and see what's going on there. <laughs> right. It's all I'm saying. <laughs> no. Yeah, it, it is a good rule of thumb, right? Like if all the most powerful people in the history of the world have tried to stamp this thing out. Like, don't want you to talk about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, right. Like doesn't it kind of tell you something about it? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not – 
you know, not rocket science. Yeah. All right. Well, that's probably a good place to sign out for the week. A um, few references on this episode have been made to recent Patreon episodes. So go check that out. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Party. Um, and uh, $5 a month. Pretty cheap. Uh, go sign up and um, check out that content we talked about. And uh, any final thoughts? Uh, I don't have any final thoughts. I just, uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody. All right. Well, we'll talk to you later.